Hello and welcome to another edition of the South Boys Podcast. This is Angelo. You know the drill. Like us on Facebook, the South Boys Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at South Boys Pod and on Instagram, South Boys Podcast. We're also on YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Navs Ganglani. Or if you're old school, you can also email us your inquiries, questions, shoutouts to our email address, southboys.podcast.gmail.com. So we've got Joe Virai joining the pod. He's a writer, contributor for Rappler, and writes about the Warriors for SB Nation's Golden State of Mind. If you want to know more about Joe, um, we've already invited him earlier this year, so go ahead and listen to that episode. But coming up on this episode, we talk about the Golden State Warriors because they can't be talked about enough. So we talked about the recent Suns versus Warriors game. How did the Warriors lose? How did the Suns win? We talked about the Golden State Warriors' weaknesses this season and much, much more. So here's Joe Virai. Enjoy. Here to talk some Dub Nation fever with us is Joe Virai, writer, contributor for Rappler and SB Nation's Golden State of Mind. And he's also one of the smartest people in NBA Twitter. Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm just, you know, in the middle of the season covering the Warriors, as you know. And Mm -hmm. yeah, the Warriors are starting out great. The league as a whole is starting out great. We've had some great games, and yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about the Warriors and the NBA in general. Yeah, thank you for being here and taking the time to talk some Warriors. It's a delight to have you back on the pod, Joe. Uh, but first of all, um, are you a Spotify user, Joe? Yeah. I think yeah, everyone so is, mostly. Uh, how How's your Spotify rap um, looking like? Oh, it's pretty much what I expected. Uh, to be honest, <laughs> I, I listened mostly to basketball podcasts more so oh, than yeah. actual music. Uh, but yeah, um, I think there's a section there where it tells you the mood. Mm. So it's pretty much said that my mood, mood was chill. Chill. Yeah, and I forgot. Chill. I forgot. And the, the genre that I listen to the most is uh, conscious hip hop, which is pretty accurate. Mm. Pretty accurate, I would say, because I listen to a lot of like hip hop that you know the lyrics actually mean something. This it's well structured. Uh, yeah, and you know, I, I don't know if you're a Drake fan or anything <laughs> like that. No offense to Drake fans out there, but you know, I'm not really much of a Drake guy, so more of a Kendrick guy. So, uh, I, I didn't know there was a genre specifically named conscious rap. I just thought it was just <laughs> hip hop. But yeah. Um, I think most of the Spotify users in their top five artists, um, there's Drake. Um, and I don't know, for some reason, also in my top five, Drake was there. But I, I, I guess because I think he has a lot of features. He's on like a hundred songs. So you don't, you know, you're unconsciously listening to him. Yeah, even he's if everywhere. He's not the main artist, right? Yeah. So yeah, um, I just ask you that question because I just want to get to know you more, Joe. And I'm always, <laughs> I'm always curious to discover new music. And as you said, uh, 
um, I've learned a new genre, conscious rap. So I'll be taking note of that. I'll, I'll be <laughs> listening to more conscious rap after our episode. So yeah, um, let's. But you're um, you're not here for you know talking about music. We're you're here to talk about the Warriors. So yesterday in a potential Western Conference preview. Uh, the Warriors lost to the Phoenix Suns 104-96. It was the first time this season that um, Golden State was held to under 100 points. You know, uh, A night where MVP frontrunner Steph Curry had the worst shooting night of his career, including the playoffs. So he finished with 12 points, 4 of 21 shooting, 3 for 14 from 3. And then Jordan Poole led Golden State with 28 points. So... Now the Suns and Warriors are tied in the standings with an 18-3 and record as of this recording. So Phoenix has won an impressive 17 straight games. No loss November, as Devin Booker tweeted. Um, Joe, unfortunately, I missed this game, but it was a tight back-and-forth affair. Certainly felt like a playoff game. So for the Warriors, what did you see, Joe? What was the story of the game? Well, it's pretty much the turnovers. You know, they had 22 turnovers. And uh, if I remember correctly, the Suns turned it into 19 points. Uh, yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot of uh, possessions that they just gave up. Most of them, you know, you got to give credit to the Suns for forcing those turnovers because they pretty much knew how to defend all the Warriors' actions, off ball, on ball. And if you watch the game, you notice that the, the Warriors were unusually hurried up on their offense. Uh, most other teams, they lose the moment they let the Warriors dictate the pace of their half-court actions. Uh, the Suns were not like, like that. They dictated the pace of their half-court actions. They were switching off-ball actions. They were uh, they had Mikel Bridges on Steph, which, you know, it's... Mikel Bridges is one heck of a defender. He's going to have a lot of defensive player of the year votes. And he should be on the all-defense first team. You know, if he continues this trajectory, he's going to be on the on that first team. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, they were switching off-ball actions. They were really, really physical with Steph, with Jordan Poole, and all of the other uh, players and you know the one thing that I did notice that not a lot of other teams have been doing this year is that they played off of they played away from Draymond and they sagged out of off of other guys that you were supposed to sag off of you know uh, Draymond he's not you know we know he's not the best shooter out there uh, mm-hmm. and he has the he has these moments where he's really really passive he just looks for people to pass to he doesn't take his own shots uh, w- when he should be aggressive, he's he's not aggressive. He doesn't go to the rim that much. And um, to be fair to him, he hasn't been like that passive guy we've seen for most of the season. But for some reason against mm-hmm. the Suns, he was like that. And also to be fair to Steph, he missed a lot of shots that were open. They created some shots for him off screens. Uh, oh, there were some good process in there from the Warriors. It's just that Steph missed those shots, you know, and that happens. You know, it happens. Even the great, the greatest shooter in the world misses open shots, and that's actually been a pattern with Steph this season, where he's his percentages on contested shots is higher than his wide open shots. <laughs> so you know, in a way, Steph needs to be challenged for him to make 
yeah, shots. It's too easy. <laughs> yeah, it's too easy. So basically, it was just the turnovers. Uh, Steph not making some of the shots that was open, and also big big credit to the Suns for uh, knowing how to defend the Warriors. Mm. Yeah, it's worth noting also that Devin Booker, you know, left in the first half, right, and didn't return. And, you know, in a night, I thought what's impressive still for the Warriors, even if they lost this game, in a night where Steph had his statistically, like, worst shooting night, they were in the game like they didn't, it, it wasn't, they were in the game like for most of the game, right? They had a chance to win it. And credit to Jordan Poole, of course. And, you know, one thing I noticed also just watching the highlights and reading the stories for the game about this, I think uh, the on, for the Phoenix Suns, DeAndre Ayton had a huge game, right? And I think it's interesting, like, um, how did how did the Warriors defend Ayton? Like, was, is the Warriors, did the Warriors size, was that a factor for, you know, have for Aiton having this huge game or did the Warriors had trouble covering him? Yeah, they had trouble covering him <laughs> mainly because of their, mainly because of his size. Yeah. Because what mm-hmm. he's legit six eleven, seven foot and the tallest guy on the Warriors is uh, Bielitsa, 6'10". Uh, and of course, James Wiseman's still not yeah. uh, ready. They could have so. used him. Mm-hmm. They could have used him just, you know, not because he's like any special defender or anything, yeah. but because he's just tall. He's tall, body. you know. Mm. You could just put him on Aiton, and at least he's gonna bother him, right? But yeah, uh, Aiton. Uh, in addition to him being tall, he just really knows how to take advantage of the of being CP3's partner in the pick and roll. Uh, you know, you screen for CP3, and then you just roll to the rim, and that alone, even if you don't, if you don't, even if he doesn't get the ball that'll open up a lot of shots on the perimeter because yeah. now you have everyone else trying to help on that role, uh, someone from the weak side, and that leaves someone on the weak side open. And even on... And if if the Warriors defend him in single coverage and no one helps, let's say... I remember like a possession where Bielitsa was defending Aiton last night in single coverage. No one was helping him. And Aiton had pretty uh, deep position under the rim. And, you know, they just fed him the ball down low and he just turned around for the hook. So hmm. it's, you know, Aiden, Aiden is pretty, he's pretty good. And you wonder why the Suns didn't give him that max deal. He deserves that max <laughs> deal. And if there was a game, if there was a game where Aiden hmm. showed that he deserved that max, it was yesterday because he was eating on those actions. Yeah, it was a, it was a really good game. And, you know, I'm saving this question later on, but since we're on the topic of losses, um, so the Warriors, let me just put, pull up the stats here. Um, they're 18-3, and three, once again, tied with the Suns for the best record in the league. They're third in offensive rating, first in defensive rating, first in net rating, first in assists, first in steals, first in three-point field goals made. Um, they have a winning margin of 15 points. Um, we can go on and on with the these <laughs> tremendous stats. You know, it seems like the war this Warriors team, they're indestructible, but as evidenced yesterday on yesterday's game, um, they can be beaten. They're not really untouchable, right? So what have you seen so far, Joe, if any, that they still need to work on, improve on 
in their three losses, like how did their opponent beat them? You mentioned the turnovers. I think the Warriors are one of the top teams or the bottom teams in terms of turning the ball over. So can you speak more about like what are the Warriors' struggles this season so far, even if it's just a tiny bit? Um, yeah, um, you know, of course, the turnovers. And, you know, they've historically been one of the more turnover-prone teams because it's just a natural byproduct of them being a heavy passing team. You know, the more mm-hmm. passes you make, the more, the higher the possibility that you're going to turn the ball over and the higher the chances that you're going to be sloppy from time to time. And that was pretty much the, the one single theme, the one single common theme between their three losses uh, to the Grizzlies, the Hornets, and in the Suns. They turned the ball over a lot of times, especially during the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies game where they had a pretty big lead. Uh, and then they pretty much blew a lead just because they kept turning the ball over and over again. Mm-hmm. And some of them were just like passes where you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why would you make that pass? And mm-hmm. yeah. And also one thing is... Um, with the exception of the Grizzlies game, it's also Steph not having the best shooting night of his career. He had he had a pretty bad shooting night too against the Hornets, uh, if I remember correctly. And the difference with the Hornets game and with the Suns game is that you, they didn't really have um, a massively good game from Jordan Poole, not unlike mm-hmm. yesterday. Uh, they also didn't have a good Wiggins game yesterday but you can attribute that to him being kind of limited because he had back spasms uh yesterday he was trying to play through an injury so he kind of get, just gets a bit of a pass from that mm-hmm. uh but he's been playing well right he's been All playing well Wiggins. He's, yeah he's been playing Underrated. well he's been efficient he's been a two-way two-way beast um <laughs> you know uh you know if you don't if you don't mind that contract, that huge contract, he's been playing, playing what, like he's been playing the role that the Warriors need him to play. Mm, you know, exactly. Uh, right now, he's probably the third best guy. Once Clay comes back, he's going to be the fourth best guy. And you know, for someone like Wiggins to be the fourth best guy on your team when Clay comes back, you know, that's that's <laughs> that's going to be that, that's not yeah. a bad at all, right? So yeah, pretty much turnovers, Steph playing bad. And also, I think one thing that I'll add is also Draymond not getting the usual offense that he needs to have. You know, he was passive during he's he's generally passive during the the losses, so mm-hmm. he needs to be more aggressive when going to the rim. He needs to know when he can seek his own offense and when to delegate, because he has these moments where he just delegates too much. And you know, yesterday, uh, plenty of the turnovers were because Draymond was overpassing he was passing to looney uh when he had an open shot at the rim so just draymond knowing when to be aggressive yes and if you're beating the warriors this season so far it sounds like you're you're gonna want to have a perfect storm you know where steph shoots bad draymond is um as he said doesn't want to shoot uh and then and then again in their losses they they lost against good teams they they didn't lose against like the Houston Rockets of the world or the OKC mm. um, respect respect to those teams 
And as a Laker fan, you know, I can only cry talking to you, Joe, right <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah. So, Joe, frankly speaking, before the season started, I wasn't really high on the Warriors, you know, from what I read during that point um, and heard during that time. It seemed like the opinions about the Warriors was split into two groups. On one hand, you got super optimistic people who thought they're good enough to win the West, they're a finals contender. And then on the other hand, you've got lukewarm people who thought, yeah, well, sure, Golden State's a playoff team, but I don't know if they can escape the first round or the second round. So I was one of those lukewarm people. I thought they're a playoff lock at least, but without home court advantage. Um, For sure, they'll improve on last year's outing you know Steph has showed he's not slowing down even improving as a matter of fact a year older James Wiseman uh, Clay's coming back but it's still a tough um, Western Conference even without Jamal Murray and Kawhi Leonard so I thought the Warriors offseason moves also were interesting but um, not necessarily game changers so long story short I didn't expect that They'll be this good early on. So let's talk about that, you know, expectations versus reality. And Joe, I've got receipts of your predictions. <laughs> but don't worry, um, it's not that bad. So yeah. in your staff predictions for Golden State of Mind, uh, you wrote the following. So let's go through them one by one. So first, um, you, wrote, you wrote down, uh, you see this team finishing way higher than 20th in terms of offensive rating, uh, their ceiling in that category might just be somewhere within the top five. So you called it. You called it right, Job, even before the season. Like, what did you see in guys like Otto Porter Jr., Bialitsa, um, compared to just the lineup this Warriors, the lineup they have this season compared to last season offensively? What did you see just even before they play the game? Well, I don't know if you... Uh, there was this popular tweet that was going around last season. I don't know if you saw that. I think it was from B-Ball Index, where out of all of the star players, named players on teams, they had this way of measuring their spacing around those star players. And out <laughs> of every star player, Steph had the worst spacing around him in the league. <laughs> And consider the fact that he put up MVP level numbers despite having the worst spacing in the league. Wow. And then, yeah, I didn't in, see that. Yeah, when you go into this season and you replace Kelly Oubre Jr. and uh, Ken Bazemore <laughs> with, uh, you know, you, you all know about Bazemore, you know, he's on the Lakers uh, now. Uh, you replace those two with Otto Porter Jr., who is uh, an automatic, you know, no pun intended, uh, automatic. 40 plus percent, 40 plus percent shooter uh-huh. career, and also Bielisa, who not only can shoot the ball, he can put the ball on the floor and be a playmaker himself. He's he has high basketball IQ, and you you know that offense is bound to improve, and I predicted it will improve to you know top five, and top also five, with Clay, yeah. top five, and also with Clay coming back, and now you know they they're third on in offensive rating, so that was you know kind of a safe prediction because it, it there was nowhere to go but up for, uh, in terms of that. Uh, 
and yeah, I mean, it's just better personnel, better playmaking. You have Iguodala back. He just knows the offense like the back of his hand. Uh, Draymond's playing better. Poole is having one one heck of a breakout season. He's much better than he is, than he was in the previous two seasons. And you kind of saw that during the, the tail end of the last season, but now he's just taking a leap. And for him, and consider the fact that he's going to be that sixth man off the bench when Clay comes back fully, when Clay's fully mm-hmm. healthy, fully conditioned, and he takes over that starting spot. And then you've got Jordan Poole coming off as, as the sixth man. It can only it can only improve, to be honest with you. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Jordan Poole, of course, is a huge factor. You know, even before the season started, there was rumblings that the Warriors were hoping. I don't know if you um, heard this, but um, I forgot what podcast it was. But they were the the rumblings from the Warriors was they wanted Jordan Poole or they envisioned Jordan Poole to be this type this type of like CJ McCollum scorer for the Warriors, and as of as of today, it's you know it's um, it's true. It's becoming true. Jordan Poole is really a, a bucket getter. And then on Bayelitsa, on that note, from the first game, Joe uh, against the Lakers, that was the first game of the season. Like I was really surprised. Like what the hell is happening here? Whenever Bayelitsa gets the ball, I didn't know he has that in him to put the ball on the floor and locate teammates. I mean the passes that he was making during that game like i really couldn't believe it and that was when i felt like whoa like the warriors has something going here so yeah you're you're definitely right on that take joe so second uh you wrote down defensively is where the drop off might occur um a fifth rank defensive rating last season was buoyed by pesky and lengthy wing defense and the Warriors just lost two of them in Kelly Oubre Jr. and our guy Kent Bazemore. So um, yeah, they're they're one of the best defensive teams this season. Um, what I guess what what made what about the Warriors defense this season made you wrong about this um, prediction? Well, you know, if you look at their uh, roster, there's only really two guys that you can consider to be bona fide lockdown or top level defenders and that's Draymond of course and that's Gary Payton the second GP2 the other guy the the young glove he actually prefers to be called the young glove he he said okay okay yeah Uh, but besides the two of them you don't really look at the other guys as especially good on defense stoppers stoppers is that and you know Igadala maybe, but he's getting a bit older too. But mm-hmm. the thing about them is that they play really, really connected team defense. They're really, really disciplined. Uh, they rarely re- miss rotations. Uh, they rarely, they rarely let offenses exploit the holes that are there. And they plug them. They plug those holes really, really fast. And when you've got Draymond as your defensive uh, general, so to speak, uh, that everyone is uh, accountable for their mistakes. And, you know, when you've got Draymond yelling at you to make this rotation, to do that, or why <laughs> yeah. did you do this? Why did you do that? Then you will be energized to Challenge, play better yeah. defense. You'll be challenged. And also they've been mixing up their schemes. They haven't been mixing it. They haven't been sticking to one true scheme. Uh, if you notice, they 
employed a lot of box and one this season. They put a played a box and mm. one on Trey Young. They played a they played a box and one on Zach Levine. They played a triangle and two on James Harden and Kevin Durant. <laughs> you know, and that worked really well. Yeah. And they also mm. did they also did show flashes of a box and one yesterday against the Suns because the Suns stagger uh, Booker and CP3. So when one of them was on the floor and one of one of them was on the bench, they would put the one against uh, either one of them. But the thing about the Suns, uh, the Suns, they they really really busted that zone. <laughs> uh, for the Warriors, so uh-huh. probably wasn't the best uh, idea against them. But yeah, in general, it's just mixing up schemes, uh, being disciplined, and also just having Draymond and GP2. GP2 has, makes an immediate defensive impact every time he's on the floor. And I think that I think a lot of people don't really notice that, but it's really, really huge, the impact he makes on that end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso down in Chicago, like how good defensively they are. I think you should write about GP2 and Draymond Green, the the defensive tandem that they have in the Warriors. But yeah, you said they're connected defensively. They're also really connected offensively. So both ends of the floor, um, this is a team. This is really a team that the the pieces, they, they fit together. So, Joe, you said something in our group chat, you know, at least in, if my memory serves me right, it was you who said this. Um, I'm, para, I'm paraphrasing here. Um, there are two types of coaches. Um, one, is who, one is someone who adapts their style to fit the team or the players they have. So these are coaches like Greg Popovich, Ty Lue, Eric Spolstra. Then you have coaches who have this rather uncompromising philosophy that need specific players to make their style of play work. And it's going to be the players who will need to adjust their system to their system. Um, so, yeah, before I ask the question, is, was this you who said this, Joe? Mm, yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, I said right. that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, um, this is the guy, uh, this is where Phil Jackson and Steve Kerr, as you said, fall into these types of coaches where, you know, maybe they need specific players for um, them, for their style of play to work. So can you, you study the film extensively. Um, can you enlighten us? Um, what is Steve Kerr doing differently schematically that makes the Warriors so good this season compared to last year or again is it a more of a case of his his game plans were no different it's just that the warriors got the players now who can execute his vision to perfection yeah it's it's honestly more of the latter he got the players mm-hmm. that he <laughs> uh that he needed for his system and um the thing about the difference between him and last season was that last season there was this period where he tried to kind of like impart his style of play onto personnel that didn't necessarily that couldn't get couldn't thrive in that system like Ubre like Bazemore and James mm-hmm. Wiseman too and as the season went on he kind of adjusted he tried to adjust especially when Wiseman was on the floor because Wiseman isn't really the kind of big that the the typical warriors big who you know can pass can just post can just post himself low post high post and find cutters uh and players who go off screens 
So he's more of a roll big, pick and roll, roll to the rim, mm-hmm. someone find you for the lob, and you know maybe someone someone uh, gets open on the perimeter, that sort of thing. So Kerr kind of adjusted to run more pick and rolls uh, last season when Wiseman was on the floor. And then as we all know, Wiseman got injured. Ubre also Ubre also got injured near the tail end of the season, and that's when their offense really. <laughs> uh, flew, flew, up, flew yeah. off. Picked up. They had like a fifteen and five record, I think, the last twenty games, and that coincided with Ubre and Wiseman not being in the lineup <laughs> because Kirk could, Kirk could just run his offense through Steph, mm. through Draymond, and then the usual, uh, the usual style he wants to play it, like you know, passing, moving around, uh, have Steph run on a lot of screens and act as a decoy on some of them, and also have. People like Juan Toscano Anderson be on the floor more because JTA is more of a fit in that offense. He's like a mini Draymond and a mini Iguodala all rolled into one. Mm. So it's more of really just having the right kind of the players right. to run his system mm. this season. Yeah. So if you're Bob Myers right now and you're looking at the record and your team is on a 70 win pace. Are you just sitting back and saying, hey, if it ain't broke, uh, don't fix it? Or are you seeing something in this roster, Joe, that maybe still needs a little bit tweaking? Is there something missing? Is there like a potential trade or signing that the Warriors need to do for you? Or you just don't want to mess with this team's construction anymore, especially with Clay Thompson you know, on the horizon, his return on the horizon? Well, you know, you just you said it. The one missing piece that they need right now is Clay Thompson, and they don't even have to make a trade or you know move pieces around. It's Clay Thompson, you know. Um, I don't think they need to mess around with what they have right now. Uh, they just need to wait for Clay to come back and hope also for an improved Wiseman to come back. Hopefully, one who's more used to the pace of an NBA game doesn't necessarily have to be that great passing big. But just need to know, uh, just need to know how to play in an NBA game, and just need to know mm. how to play around Steph. And once they have that, I mean, their record right now is eighteen and three. You know their stats, and that's all without Clay and Wiseman. What more if Clay gets his gets his win back, gets you know gets used to the pace of an NBA game, and you know he's still gonna be that that deadly shooter on catch and shoots. And if he gets this a bit, like maybe 80% of his lateral movement back and be a decent defender at least, I mean, that's going to be a tough lineup to beat, <laughs> even for the Suns. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, so what's the latest news on Clay and James Wiseman, Joe? Uh, Clay is in the G League. For he's not gonna play in the G League. He's just there for. Yeah, what does that mean when when teams put their injured player on the G League? I mean, I haven't seen an NBA player really play on the G mm, League. Yeah. So what does that mean, Joe? It's just it's just putting them in an environment where they're gonna have actual scrimmages against players against mm-hmm. uh players who can give them a challenge g league players because you know right. you can't clay can't really um have participate in scrimmages against 
the real the, the A team, the NBA team, because mm. the NBA team always has a game going on. They don't really practice that oh, much. Yeah. So that makes the, sense. Yeah, mm. compared to G League where there are a lot of practices. So he has more opportunities to test himself on scrimmages. Um, he's he's actually ramping up four minute stints, five minute stints, and once he gets used to a twelve minute stint, that's when they'll know he'll be ready. And hopefully that'll be before Christmas. And Wiseman, uh, Wiseman is still doing individual work. He's not. He's taking a bit longer to come back because meniscus, uh, meniscus recovery. Yeah, what's his injury again, bro? Yeah, it was a meniscus torn, tear, torn meniscus. Oh, okay. So uh, that takes a while to recover. Yeah. I think it's the same trajectory as the Jaron Jackson Jr. one. Uh, mm. Triple J, Triple J. He uh, he came back like you know, take a while, took a while for him to come back too. So. Uh, yeah, so Wiseman is still doing individual workouts, no scrimmages, so it'll take a while for him. Maybe around, mm. maybe it might even stretch to like January or something like that, but I'm not really sure about that. Yeah, that's not too far off. We're we're it, we're recording this December too, so you know Clay like less than a month away. Can't wait for that. So Joe, I promise this this will be just a short one. So I created the segment just for you. I'm calling it Joe's Observatory. So let's go <laughs> around the league. This may be a player, a team, a trend in the league. It can be anything you want. Give us your top observations that you think that needs more attention. I'm going to give you a player and a team. It's Giannis and the Bucks. Right. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 Make I'm... the case. Yeah. Um, well, Giannis is putting up MVP level numbers again. He's doing that again. for like what, like the third, fourth straight year. He's averaging somewhere around 27, 12, and six, if I remember correctly. And mm. the fact that, and you know, he's doing the, he's putting up stat lines like 25, 30. He just scored uh, 40 earlier. 10. Yeah. He scored 40, and you know, no one even batted an eye. Giannis <laughs> puts up these crazy stat lines casually and no one is surprised anymore. Uh, I would put him personally second behind Steph in the MVP rankings right now, uh, slightly above Jokic uh, because, you know, better team record and, you know, the Bucks are on a roll. They're 8-0 since Chris Middleton came back. And during that stretch, mm. they're somewhere, something like seventh in offense. Uh, they're first in defense over that stretch. And they're also mm. first, in, first in net rating. So you know, there was this uh, sentiment where the Bucks needed everyone healthy, and after that they would go on this massive run. Well, we're seeing it right now. Yeah. They're eight and zero. You know, eight and zero since Middleton came back. Everyone healthy. You have Drew. They don't even have Brook Lopez back yet. They don't have uh, Divincenzo back yet. But yeah, too you know, bad they're... for my fantasy team. Yeah, <laughs> Brook Lopez. Yeah, but they're they're tearing ahead, they're tearing through opponents and they're still undefeated and they're not going to have that hard of a schedule coming up if I remember correctly. So mm. that run is going to continue. So I think we need to pay more attention to Giannis, to the Bucks. Uh, everyone's paying attention now to the Suns now that they're on their 17th game winning streak and they beat the, like the, the, the best team going yes. into that game. They have the attention now, and now we need to pay attention to the defending champs. I mean, they're the defending champs. I yeah. mean, it's kind of like everyone kind of just forgot about them after they won the title. So, yeah, I think we need to pay more attention to them. 
Yeah, the two the two finals contenders um from last season, they got off to a pretty slow start and now um they're off they're regaining their championship form. So yeah, it's crazy to think that we're taking the Bucks and the Suns for granted, especially Giannis uh early this season. So before we get out of here, I'm sorry, Joe, let's circle back to your preseason prediction. Uh the Warriors, you have the Warriors at least winning 50 games with at least a fifth place finish in the West. So I'm giving you the chance to redact, update, or redo this prediction, Joe. What's your fearless forecast for your Golden State Warriors? Oh, they've they've got to be winning at least 60 games right now at this at this rate. <laughs> Uh, yeah. They're on a seventy. They're on a seventy seventy win pace right now. I'm not entirely sure if they're gonna maintain yeah, but, that pace. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, you know, not like knock on wood, the injuries or maybe like that might happen. Hopefully, they stay healthy. Uh, but you mm-hmm. know, if everything goes to plan, health wise, uh, momentum wise, they're not gonna go lower than sixty, and you know, maximum sixty five. You know, and <laughs> right. hopefully, and. This kind of reminds me of that um, 2015 to 16 season where they won 73. Uh, the Sun, like people forget, the Spurs were right behind them. I think they won like 69 or 68 games. <laughs> so you know, uh-huh. the Warriors and the maybe Suns, the Suns are, are kind of that team. Yeah, or maybe the Warriors or the Spurs. And, you know, just exchange them. Maybe they're uh-huh. going to be so close to each other at the end of the season in terms of the West standings uh, that you know it's going to be a close race. Uh, but personally, I think, I think the Warriors, if they win at least 60, that's going to be a more like they shot way past everyone's expectations. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree with you, Joe. I, I, I was wrong about my Warriors prediction before the season. So I do also see them winning at least 60 games, you know, 60 to 65 games the season. And I believe in the Warriors. They're a finals contender for me. Um, they've got a shot at that title. So, yeah, thank you so much once again, Joe. I know you could have answered every question with, I wrote about this. Just just read my articles. Uh, <laughs> but you were kind enough to indulge us. Please do tell our listeners where can they find you and your fantastic work. Um, you can follow me at Twitter, at JoeViraNBA. Uh, I contribute regularly for SB Nation's Golden State of Mind. I write about the Warriors after every game they have. Uh, and uh, I haven't been writing for them that much this season, but I will eventually. I also write about the NBA in general for Rappler Sports. Yeah. Uh, you can follow my work there too. And yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm always looking for, forward to your work, Joe. It's been a pleasure. Thank you again. Um, I'm truly grateful. I'm sure our listeners also have this um, insightful experience listening to you. So Joe, see you and take care. Take care. Thanks for having me.